Hello, Soma. If you have a Bible, please open to Luke 24, 1 through 12. But on the paired, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them and said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Do you seek... Oh, wait. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still... And on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stopping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home, marveling at what had happened. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. It's so good to see you under this patio today. And if you're watching online, we're glad that you are here as well. So, uh, and I don't know if everybody got him, so he's going to zigzag through. Don't do the. Oh, let's do it. No, let's not do it. Uh, yeah, it's probably not, you know, my shoulder. I, d- I don't want to. So, thank you. And maybe put your hand up. He will look and spot you. Okay. All right. Looks like we're, we're good. Well, one song, maybe I'll have to do something about it next week. I've had a long time to prepare. The greatest day in history, death is beaten, you have rescued me, sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life, that is what today is all about. Easter is... First, about Jesus being alive. Eggs, candy, brunch, pastor at this church campus. Um, those are great, but they're secondary things. I was reminded um, of a couple different quotes this week from C.S. Lewis. One, C.S. Lewis said that when we put second things, and so first things first, Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty. That is what Easter is. The other things, they're secondary, like blueberry muffins and orange muffins and coffee. They're good, it's secondary. The idea of the resurrection, but, but the miracle of King Jesus being raised from death to life. If you didn't already, please open to that passage Korah read for us, the gospel according to Luke chapter 20, a couple of verses, verses 4 through 7. Luke chapter 24, verses 4 through 7. While they were men stood by them in dazzling apparel. This is again is the women at the tomb. There's no one there. They went there to anoint the body, and they're perplexed by this. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Verse five. Why do you seek the living? Frightened and bowed their head. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he sinful men Galilee. That the Son of Man and on the third day rise. Right there in the middle of verse 6, this, these angels, they command the women. It's a command, remember, remember. Now for these women, don't know what's going on. And the angel says, no, you need to remember. He, he told you about this. And we're going to come back to that. But that's kind of what I the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I want us to remember kind of under two headings today. This will be our our message outline uh, so you can kind of follow and track and and know where we're going. First, we need to remember of the resurrection. And then second, we need to remember the meaning of the resurrection. So the the miracle, 
the event proper of the resurrection, and then the resurrection, the event itself. So again, Luke 24, this particular one to morning as it begins, the places that they had prepared. They had witnessed his death on Friday. They, they were aware of him being taken down, being placed in this tomb by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. It was his private where they had taken the body. And Friday night came to an end, and then it's Sabbath for the Jews, for the followers of Jesus at this time. Very quiet and dark. We, we know what's coming, right? But they didn't. They, they didn't. And so they, they're pretty sad. And these ladies, they go... First thing, Sunday morning to this tomb, and, and it's looking for the body to show up and tell them to remember. Now, now Jesus had said a bunch of times about what was language. He was crystal three times, very those times. The third time, in fact, is in Luke 18. You don't need to turn there, but let me read Luke 18, 31 to 34. And taking the 12, and this is fascinating, they were disciples. We, we sometimes... Talk about the disciples of Jesus who was following of the 12 uh, of Jesus. And Jesus had hundreds of disciples. The, the 12, we, we should generally think of as the apostles when we're trying to differentiate. So these women are disciples, but of course the 12 had this closer relationship. So in Luke 18, the third time Jesus was crystal clear, verse 31, says, He took the 12 and said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And... For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. Understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. Now they understood the words, but the comprehension, the meaning. Back in John 11, some of you know this story. It's a wonderful passage. A sad one, but, but wonderful for the, the truth that emerges. Jesus' good friend Lazarus had died talking with the grieving sister of Lazarus, Martha, and he tells her, your brother will rise again with what the Jews of Jesus' day thought by what Jesus meant. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. He will rise again in the last day. You see, an individual bodily resurrection, like what Jesus was about to do to Lazarus, like what happened to that way. In their time, resurrection was something for the end of history, for all of God's people, not in the middle of history, one person at a time. When Jesus says, your brother will rise, but she, those categories didn't exist, okay? She's thinking, yeah, one day we will rise when, at the end of history, but not in the middle. So the women... now. Jesus talked about it. Jesus talked about it. Now look back again at Luke 24. I'll pick up the story again at verse 8. And then they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles and they did not believe them. After the charge to remember, those think it's an idle tale. They, they too have that same idea. Even though Jesus had said it three times explicitly, plus all the other illusions, they, they just did not grasp what, what this meant. 
not middle of history. Remember, just like first century Jews, Jews that had a problem with this. We got to remember that, that non-Jews in Jesus' day, they also would not have understood this. And I, I bring on, and even in our day, I was talking with someone, in, in their mind, everything contained here is just kind of a metaphor. So like Jesus doing the, the miracle, as it is recorded, uh, of feeding 5,000 this food, then they all opened up what they had been hiding and then started being generous. And so really, it's just a story about a category of miracles. And it was fascinating to have this miracle. Just no, it doesn't exist. Well, again, Jews, first century, they thought of resurrection together at the end of history, not individual in the middle. And, and then things this way either. Um, in our day, uh, the, the scholar N.T. Wright, he has written probably the biggest, literally, and most extensive work on the resurrection. But in the Greco-Roman world of thought, the soul or spirit was good, and the physical, them, the physical, by definition, was always falling apart, and therefore salvation was conceived of as liberation from the body. In this worldview, resurrection was not only in body, would ever want it back. Even those who believed in reincarnation understood that the return to embodied life meant that the soul was not yet out of its body, they believed. A return to a re-embodied life was outlandish, unthinkable, and impossible. I, I say all that because here's the point. Again, in our day, many from death time with this idea of a dead person come to life. I don't think any of you have either. So we, we haven't seen it. And, and so for a lot of people, just the very word deceivable, an idle tale, kind of like... Now, for us in our day, typically our issue isn't that of the Greco-Roman world necessarily, or we, we, you know, we don't think of it like the Jews. For us, um, we just have in our day an all-out assault on anything miraculous, anything supernatural. Everything's got to be... It's chronologified, and we sit here in 2021, because of course we don't have any problems in 2021, Right? Science and technology has made it so there's no pandemic. Logically, look back in history with our noses in the air as if, well, they were primitive. You know, that's why they believed in these sort of things. But see, they didn't. They weren't ready for Jesus to rise and for different reasons than we. As I look out, I recognize a lot of our church family, and we need to remember. Maybe you wrestle in this miraculous event. The resurrection of Jesus... It, it literally changed the world. Again, I, I said that I've been thinking of a couple C.S. Lewis quotes. Um, another one, C.S. Lewis talked about how... Um, but if it did happen, and, and remember, C.S. Lewis, before he wrote Narnia and, you know, Mere Christianity and all the other books we associate him with, he, he wasn't a Christian. If the resurrection didn't happen, it's of no consequence. But if it did happen, it changes everything. It, it changes everything. So, so let's let's direction, or, or maybe this won't be remembering for some of you, but it'll be maybe the first time you've thought about some of these points. Why we can believe in the resurrection? Now, this is just going to scratch the surface. And two, uh, I mentioned Lewis. Read, listen to Mere Christianity. That's a great resource. Still, so good, even though those were originally uh, talks he gave during World War II. Then for God. Uh, he has actually a new book out, I'm reading myself right now, called Hope in Times of Fear, The Resurrection and the Mobile, The Case for Christ and then The Case for Faith, all of those, and there's many, many more. But, but all of these books from slightly different angles show 
this meal. Let me list six reasons for us this afternoon to help us remember or, or maybe think about for the first time the miracle of the resurrection. Number one, Jesus was dead. Um, Jesus was dead. If, if he's not dead, then there's no resurrection. The, the Roman soldiers, they, they knew how to kill someone. They knew what they were looking at. There, there is no way after Jesus went through the flogging that happened in that context and then being put on a cross. He was put on the cross around nine in the morning and he hung on the cross for six hours. Six hours. The fact that being stretched out like this, eventually he, he wouldn't be able to breathe and so fluid would, would build up and, and he would have to push through the, the spikes through his arms and, and his feet to get a breath and eventually he wouldn't have the strength to do that and, and eventually he, he would die. And so Jesus died and, and a spear gets poked into his side and water and blood come out and again, we, we now understand that medically a certain way but they knew that nobody lives through what he went through. There's no getting down and catching your breath and you know, being revived. There's just, it's just not possible. That's an insult. The tomb was empty. Now, again, if, if there was a body that could be found, um, well, then Christianity would be extinct, be found. And, of course, um, one of the proofs for this is the fact that um, the leaders come up with uh, this lie in Matthew 28 to, to say, well, since you can't find it there, so they are the ones to initiate this, this lie, say that the body was stolen. Number three, not only was Jesus dead not today in our passage, Maybe you've, you've heard this, this argument, this line of thinking, but it's really important. We live in a great time when, at least where we live, men and women share equality and rights and can vote and, and all these things, right? But it's nothing like the first century. Women in the first century, they did not enjoy the rights that women enjoy today. In fact, the testimonies, especially in the West, they were considerable in court. They, they were chauvinistic. Let's just admit it. That's very true. Here's the question. So if, if this is going to be made up, if someone's going to make up this account, um, they're not going to make the first witnesses be women because it just doesn't lend Peter, maybe James and John, okay? Uh, the apostles, they're going to be the ones. But to have it be women, not what you would do if you were making this up. It was, in fact, almost an embarrassing detail, but they had no reason to lie. This is what, what happened. This is what took place. Or... Another thing to remember about the resurrection and the miracle itself is that there are contradictions in the four Gospels. There are seeming contradictions in all four of the Gospels. So some people want to say different things. So for example, look, this thing can't be reliable. Because do you know how many women were present at the resurrection? If you read Matthew, it says it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. If you read John, it says... Mary Magdalene, Mary Joanna, and an undefined number of other women. So, what, what is going on? They, they contradict each other. But if, if we look closer, we'll notice that none of these accounts contradict her. Here, here's the point. Um, 
I told my kids this example, and I'm, I'm looking out because of most of you. If all of a sudden uh, a car came driving in and, and hit uh, that, that white truck with the black uh, rack, I know who that, that truck belongs to back there. Okay, those people that are, need to drive it in the future. We're going to look that way, and we will have witnessed it. We were, we were on the north, if you will, of this event, and we are going to see what, what took place. Well, if there was someone standing over in the vineyard, right, they are to the point. If some kids are at the playground and they hear it, they're kind of looking west. And uh, if, if someone's playing in the church trailer uh, and, and the noise happens, well, then they're looking toward the east, right? Four different angles. So there be some show up and start to interview things and how everybody talks about it. The big thing should be the same. All of a sudden, there was this noise and this car hit that would be slightly different. The main point stays the same of the story. Otherwise, you're like in collusion, right? If everybody's story is exactly the same on minor secondary points, contradictions really aren't. There, there are some things to wrestle through and, and to look at. I remember talking several years ago with someone in our church about some of the discrepancies about the events, even of shouldn't expect it to be how to wrestle through same minor variations in the number of women or the number of angels, all of it affirms the historical reliability reason for doubt. Fifth thing to remember about this miracle, there were hundreds of witnesses to Jesus after he rose. There were in 24, chapter 24, verse 10, Cora read it for you, I read it for you. Jesus, 100 other people, from 1 Corinthians 500 other people. And, and when, when the Apostle Paul wrote that, we're, we're all talking within years of when it happened. Ask. Go and ask these people. If everyone, if all these people did not believe that they saw Jesus resurrected, well then Paul's saying it would to name the names of these different folks, whether it's Joseph of Arimathea in his tomb, um, Nicodemus gets mentioned, helping get the body down, uh, Simon of Cyrene who helped 500. I mean, and we're, we're talking again, stuff that was written within 30 years kind of a thing of the events. It's, it's, it's an invitation to check it out, to deny, and it's a large reason why Christianity spread. The, the last thing I would say, and there's many more things too, but, but this one for me is always important, and it has to do with the public. Every Resurrection Sunday Easter message, even when we were at the courtyard um, after doing our meal, but, but I love this. So think about how Christianity started. After a very public, this is going to be a key word, after a very public ministry, publicly was known to him, it belonged to Joseph of Arimathea, but people knew where it was, Jesus publicly showed himself to the public, 500 people over the span of what they saw. Christianity had its beginning in a very public way. Now contrast that with how other systems, other religions are started by someone maybe having a private dream about God, or maybe there's a private angelic in one person comes and, and tells everyone what they saw or thought of. Quite, quite a different way of, of having a religious belief system start. Private, the public nature of Christianity. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared, most of whom are still alive. See, there's Paul saying, check it out. Though some have fallen asleep, though some have died. 
We do, we too need people. Dead people don't come to life every day, especially after having died, you know, not quite three days. We, we, we always have our time with that too, right? The third day, Saturday, the second day, Sunday, the third day. So like 48 hours, we might think kind of a thing. We need to remember this. We need to remember the miracle, the supernatural miracle. There are sound, solid evidences. Now back to Luke 24. Tale from the women, right? And thinking it's an idle tale. Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloth had by themselves. And he too can marvel at what happened. We, we can marvel as we remember and we read and we see that the evidence for the empty tomb is there. So if you haven't, read The Reason for God. Read Keller's new book. Read Case for Christ. So we need to remember the miracle of the resurrection, the meaning of the resurrection. Let me offer just two, two truths on the meaning of the resurrection. The Bible's filled with many reasons for and what the resurrection meaning of the resurrection are our very salvation. What is the meaning of Jesus dying and rising? It's, it's, it's our very salvation. In Romans chapter 4, verse 24, the Apostle 4, 25, this is a great verse. So speaking of Jesus, who was delivered up for our trespasses, delivered up for our, raised for our justification. Speaking of him being literally delivered up onto a cross. Speaking of him going to the cross, he was delivered up for our sins, our trespasses, to pay for them by dying. And then Paul says, and he was raised for our justification. In one verse, Paul connects, keeps together the cross and the resurrection. And we need to also. Without the cross, yes, and uh, not, not a cross with, with the Savior still on it, but, but a cross where he's not there because he has risen, but we need both. We need the cross for Jesus to pay for our sins, and we need... Paul's already talked to him, and here Paul says it's for our... And he's connected it to what Jesus did in going to the cross, but again, they go together, and we need to just remember, credited righteous, this word, justified is to have uh, someone else's righteousness credited to us. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he called it passive righteousness. In our day, theologians refer to it as imputed alienness or alien righteousness. Not like green justified is to have someone else's but righteousness. In this case, Jesus, his righteousness imputed to us. So, so Jesus on the cross paying for no cross, no resurrection, no forgiveness, justification. Or as Paul, again, the apostle says it in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Idea of resurrection, but if he hasn't literally been raised, you, your faith is futile, you're still in of our salvation, that coming, that we, the resurrection. But the second meaning of the resurrection that we need to remember this afternoon is the living hope. The resurrection brings the living hope. We, we sang about it to start our sermon 1, 3 to 5. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born of the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. Can I just say, if you are looking for some verses to memorize, those would be great. Memorize those three verses. First Peter chapter 1, hope. A living hope now. 
while we live, right? It's a living hope that we experience something now, one day, and then what's going to come when Jesus comes back, okay? But, but that hope is, is now because of the resurrection. It's a living hope that God can and does bring wonderful things out of tragic things. You see, our living hope of sickness, our viruses, our pandemics, our living hope is not a world free of political extremes on one side or the other. Our, our living hope is not a world free of race, a lack of natural disasters. No, all of these things still happen. In Romans 8, it's described as this, this world is, is in bond affected, and, and the world waits, it groans, even as we have sufferings and trials and tribulations on so many different levels, but it doesn't mean we have no living hope right now through it, in it, because Jesus rose from the dead. Again, Paul Tripp, I saw this on social media this morning. It was great. The, the vacated tomb, the empty tomb of Jesus reminds us that God, and of course the ultimate thing we can't conquer on our own is our sin problem. We try, we try, we try. How many times do you do something that you don't want to do and you say you're sorry to someone and by God's grace we, we ought to be making progress but we fail, we fall short. So the ultimate thing we never can conquer is our sin but, but all these other things, the empty tomb reminds us God can conquer on our behalf what we can't. Our living hope church is to, as Christians action of Jesus from the dead because he rose. So the second meaning again of resurrection is a living hope, this living hope. And we need that, that, that through horrible things like the worst thing in human history, the, the murder of Jesus of Nazareth, God brought him back to life. And him being brought back to life is with him too. So we've considered, we've remembered the cross, the resurrection, right? The miracle of the event, we've spent a few more active remembering, and that's the communion uh, moment, the Lord's Supper. So hopefully you have one of these, so go ahead and, and find that uh, at your table in your spot. Have these, these, these elements to, to remind us, this, this little wafer on sort of the bottom, you can open that. Don't eat yet, though. We're, we're going we're gonna to do this together. That, that we're to remember that, that Jesus was brutally beaten and arrested and mocked and given up for us. And we're to remember when we, when we eat that, what Jesus went through. And of course, Jesus was the one that told us to do this. He told us to he shed his blood, the blood of the new covenant, once and for all. There's no more sacrifices necessary. He doesn't die again and again and again. The writer to the Hebrews told us once and for all. So I want us to pray just for a moment. And I've encouraged us to remember. And so as I give you just a little private space, just, just remember, thank God for maybe being around that. If, if there's some area where you're out of sorts, to be, be restored in your fellowship with, with Him. And if you're here tonight, and this is all new to you, I'm so hopefully answer some... I hope you'll come up and talk to me and talk. Um, so... Let's go to the Lord in prayer, just you and him. Thank him for the cross. Thank him for the resurrection. Marvel at it, what the apostles do at the end. Marvel.
at the empty tomb. And then in a moment, we pray in quiet. We will eat and drink. Would you reveal to us the things you need us to hear from you? Again, Father, if there's areas where we need to go to them, may we have the free sports with you now, later. But we want to not only remember the, the miracle of the resurrection and the meaning, but, but we want to remember your body given for us. Bread. He said to his followers and for us, let's take and eat together. And then he took the cup and after blessing it, he said, take and drink and remember this represents the blood of the new covenant, which is for you. Do this again with you when I return. So as you drink this and you remember, you're looking back at what I would do for you, but you're looking ahead. So let's drink together. Heavenly Father, may we marvel at the resurrection. May we marvel at the cross and the resurrection, the whole thing. The the Apostle John put it, for you so loved the world that you gave your only son, that whoever believes, trusts in him, in him would not perish but have eternal life. We thank you for that, and when we do, we come from death to life, and we have a living hope, a living hope. May we marvel at that, I pray in Jesus' name.